You're listening to Lateral Media. My name is Monica, this is SBC, and I have COVID, so I know my voice probably sounds terrible, but um, yeah, that's why. Today I'm going to talk about 36 books that I want to read before I turn 36. So 36 before 36. This is a tag that I've seen on the internet, and... Uh, it's like X number of books before I turn X uh, years old, right? And I was going to do like 35 because it's like, it, it sounds better than 36, <laughs> but um, I'm almost 34 already. I turned 34 in December, so I don't think I will have time to read 35 books before I turn 35. So that's why I chose 36. I'll give myself a little bit more time, especially because I'm going to read and I want to read other books uh, other than the, the 30, 36 that I'm going to mention. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the books that I chose. Uh, I have already read one of them, um, like this week, and I have DNF'd two of them, actually. So I don't know what the procedure is when you DNF a book from this list, right? Should I replace it with another book? Should I just, you know, whatever, DNF, um, let's move on. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to replace them. But yeah, let's talk about all of them. The first book on my list is the one that I have read already. I read it this week. Uh, I remember talking to you about it in the previous episode, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it is Os Exilados de Capela by Edgar Armand. Um, so this is a book about spiritism, but it's actually spiritualism, right? There is a big difference there, and I don't want to get into this discussion right now, because I'm still considering making an episode about spiritism books, so this book is about a theory that the Earth was populated by a group of spirits that were cast away from their original planet called Capella. And they helped uh, humankind here on Earth um, evolve. But they were not evolved like morally. They were very smart, like intelligent, but they were not uh, morally evolved and yeah, that's where we are today. <laughs> um, so this is a theory that makes sense in some ways, but um, I was very disappointed with everything I read in this book because um, it's not a scientific book. It's uh, like the author just gave his opinion. Um, and it's very based very much his opinion was very much based on his own beliefs of course it's it was his opinion but it sounded like very racist and that was not something that I was expecting to to read and while I was reading I was taking notes I was you know researching some things um because I was getting nervous reading, like I was getting angry. And I realized that, and I found out that most spiritism um, centers, right, in Brazil, they don't talk about this book. They don't recommend this book because it has so many issues and it's very racist. Um, you know, there's a lot of white supremacy going on. And I was very disappointed with that. So maybe I will talk about this book in depth um, 
whenever I decide to make that episode. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't pleased with this book and I gave it one star. Um, I wish I could have given it less, but <laughs> yeah, just one star. Okay, now for the other books. I think most of them, um, or all of them, all of the other books, most of the other books have English um, editions, right? They they were written in English originally or translated to English. So, the second book on the list is called Planetary Transition. Uh, it was translated to English and it is by Givaldo Franco. He is a medium, a very uh, famous medium in Brazil. And um, this book was written through him, right, by a ghost, so by a spirit, called Manuel Filomeno de Miranda. This is one of the books about spiritism that I still want to read very much. And it says that we are on the threshold of the great transition, when our planet will go from being a world of trials and expiations to one of regeneration. This transition has been part of the heavenly plan for a long time, thus it will not occur in an obvious manner overnight as if by magic, but as a slow, gradual, yet undelayable transformation. Natural tragedies such as the Indian Ocean Tsunami in 2004, the subject of uh, consideration in this book, are part of this process because they are meant to make humankind progress more quickly by expunging criminal spirits, those unamenable to order and to moral and spiritual evolution, which can no longer be delayed. Those spirits will spend an amount of time on other worlds, learning the laws of love and of the good, until they are fit to return to our planet to make their contribution to the progress of humankind. So this is very much what happened to the spirits that were cast away from Capella, right? They were not fit they couldn't be there anymore because they were not good for the planet anymore. So they came to Earth. Um, and after they, you know, got better and evolved and got morally good, uh, became, right, morally good, they theoretically went back to Capella. Uh, so going back to the summary, in this extraordinary book, our readers will learn about the mechanisms and lofty reasons for the planetary transition in favor of pressing and necessary changes that promote respect for laws, ethics, and nature, transforming men and women into complete beings who are conscious of their duties to God, themselves, and others. Next one on the list is also about spiritism, is the last book about spiritism on the list. Uh, it wasn't translated to English as far as I know. It's called A Psicografia Antios Tribunais, and it is by Miguel Chimponi. This book is about a lawsuit that the widow and the children of Humberto de Campos filed against Chico Xavier, who was a great medium um, in Brazil. And Chico would write um, books by Humberto de Campos, right? Um, he was the medium that would um, write the books dictated by the spirit of Humberto de Campos. So this is a process called ghostwriting or automatic writing. So they filed, the widow and the children filed the lawsuit because they wanted the copyrights, right? And there was a whole case about this, and this book is about this story, the story of this lawsuit. And I'm very curious to read this book. So this is the last one about spiritism. If you don't like when I talk about it, I'm sorry. Um, this is the last one. Next on the list is Legion by William Peter Blatty. So, if you know, you know this book has been on my list for a very long time. I finally um, bought it. I have it. I have the Portuguese edition that is very beautiful. Um, but I haven't read it yet, so that's why it's on my list. In this book, a young boy is found horribly murdered in a mock crucifixion. Is the murderer the elderly woman who witnessed the crime? A neurologist who can no longer bear the pain life inflicts on its victims? A psychiatrist with a macabre sense of humor and a guilty secret? A mysterious mental patient locked in silent isolation? Lieutenant Kinderman follows a bewildering trail that links all these people 
confronting a new enigma at every turn, even as more murders surface. Why does each victim suffer the same dreadful mutilations? Why are two of the victims priests? Is there a connection between these crimes and another series of murders that took place 12 years ago and supposedly ended with the death of the killer? Legion is a novel of breathtaking energy and suspense, but more than this, it's an extraordinary journey into the uncharted depths of the human mind and the most agonizing questions of the human condition. The answers are revealed in a climax so stunning that it could only have been written by the author of The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty. Yeah, very excited for this one. I'm sorry, um... I can't read very well, apparently, today. <laughs> I'm very sorry, I hate COVID. Next one on the list is The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Um, I believe everybody knows what this book is about. But nevertheless, enthralled by his own exquisite portrait, Dorian Gray makes a fashion bargain to sell his soul in exchange for eternal youth and beauty. Under the influence of Lord Henry Wotton, he is drawn into a corrupt double life where he is able to indulge his desires while remaining a gentleman in the eyes of polite society. Only Dorian's picture bears the traces of his decadence. A knowing account of a secret life and an analysis of the darker side of late Victorian society. The picture of Dorian Gray offers a disturbing portrait of an individual coming face to face with the reality of his soul. There you go. So I have many classics on this list. I'm saving the bigger classics for like a 40 before 40 list that I'm making, but um, that one is not ready yet. So next on the list, we have Girls with Sharp Sticks by Suzanne Young. The girls of Innovations Academy are beautiful and well-behaved. It says so on their report cards. Under the watchful gaze of their guardian, they receive a well-rounded education that promises to make them better. Obedient girls, free from arrogance or defiance. Free from troublesome opinions or individual interests. But the girls' carefully controlled existence may not be quiet as it appears. As Mana and her friends uncover the dark secrets of what's actually happening there and who they really are, the girls of Innovations Academy will learn to fight back bringing the trademark plot twists and high-octane drama that made the program a best-selling and award-winning series, Suzanne Young launches a new series that confronts some of today's most pressing ethical questions. Oh, wow, so this was a series. I didn't know that. So there is um, Girl with Razor Hearts and Girls with Rebel Souls. I don't know. So this has been on my list for a very long time and I've always been interested in reading this book. But I saw a YouTuber, I watched a YouTuber the other day saying that she didn't like, I don't remember if she didn't like it or if she liked it, but it's not very, like the book is not very popular on Goodreads or anything. I don't know. So let's see, if I like this, I will um, probably read the others on the series, right? We'll see. Next on the list is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Taking readers deep into a labyrinth of dark neurosis, We Have Always Lived in the Castle is a deliciously unsettling novel about a perverse, isolated, and possibly murderous family and the struggle that ensues when a cousin arrives at their estate. Shirley Jackson, always amazing. Next on my list, I have two books um, by Ariana Harwicks. These are the books that I DNF'd. So, Die, They Are Die My Love and Feeble-Minded. So, Die My Love takes place um, in the French countryside where a woman is battling her demons, embracing exclusion yet wanting to belong, craving freedom whilst feeling trapped, yearning for family life but wanting to burn the entire house down. Given surprising leeway um, by her family for her increasingly erratic behavior, she nevertheless feels ever more stifled and repressed. Motherhood, womanhood, the banality of love, the terrors of desire, the brutality of another person um, carrying your heart forever. Die My Love faces all this with a raw intensity. It's not a question of if a breaking point will be reached, but 
reached, but rather when, and how violent a form will it take. And then it says, it's impossible to come out unscathed from reading Ariana Harwick's The language of die, my love, cuts like a scalpel, even as it attains a kind of cinematic splendor, evoking the likes of John Cassavetes, David Lynch, and John Ford. In a text that explores the destabilizing effects of passion and its absence, immersed in the psyche of a female protagonist always on the verge of madness, in the tradition of Sylvia Plath and Clarice Linspector, Harwick's modes language submitting it to her will in irreverent prose. Bruising and confrontational, yet anchored in an unapologetic beauty and lyricism, Die My Love is a unique reading experience that quickly becomes addictive. So, um, yeah, this this was Die My Love, and Feeble-Minded is, um, is another account of a mother and daughter relationship. Um, so, driven to the edge by the men in their lives, they oscillate between erratic bursts of housework, lazing in the garden, and drunken escapades. But is the constant undercurrent of violent, uh, violence all in the daughter's mind, or will they actually go through with their plan for revenge? So when I first put these books uh, on my list, on my TBR list, I knew that they were going to be hard to read. I knew that they were going to be um, different. And I was willing to read them um, in spite of that, because I was really interested in the, the 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 themes, right, the topics, and I thought I actually thought that they were going to be similar to um, Housefall, which I believe I talked about in the last episode as well. But maybe I don't know. Maybe it was because I tried to listen to them on audiobook. And it didn't work. But I don't... I actually think I, I wouldn't like them even if I had read them. You know, like physically read a copy. It didn't work for me. It was like an instant DNF. I, I listened to like the first minutes, the first five or ten minutes of each uh, book. And I just had to stop because it wasn't doing anything for me. I wasn't liking it. Maybe I wasn't in a good um, place at the moment to try to to listen to them. Um, it happened this week. This I tried to listen to them this week. And as I said, I, I'm sick. And probably that's why it didn't work. But I don't think I will try again. Because it didn't give me that feeling of, oh, I can do it right now. It's not happening right now, but I will try again later. No, I mean, I just don't want to anymore. So, yeah. It didn't work for me, but it might work for you. Next, we have three books by Grady Hendrix. Grady Hendrix is the author of My Best Friend's Exorcism, which is a book that I loved. Um, so here we have The Final Girl Support Group, Horror Store, and We Sold Our Souls. In the Final Girl support group, Lynette Tarkington is a real-life Final Girl who survived the massacre. For more than a decade, she's been meeting with five other Final Girls and their therapists in a support group for those who survived the unthinkable, working to put their lives back together. Then, one woman misses a meeting and their worst fears are realized. Someone knows about the group and is determined to rip their lives apart again, piece by piece. But the thing about Final Girls is that no matter how bad the odds, how dark the night, how sharp the knife, they will never, ever give up. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I really want to read this book. Horror Store is about a furniture store in Ohio, in Cleveland. Every morning, employees arrive to find broken, curing bookshelves, shattered glance water goblets, and smashed lyripid wardrobes. Sales are down, security cameras reveal nothing, and the store managers are panicky. To unravel the mystery, three employees volunteer to work a nine-hour dusk-till-dawn shift. <laughs> Amazing. In the dead of the night, they'll patrol the empty showroom floor, investigate strange sights and sounds, and encounter horrors that defy the imagination. A traditional haunted house story in a thoroughly contemporary setting, 
Horror Store comes packaged in the form of a glossy mail order catalog, complete with product illustrations, a home delivery order form, and a map of Orsk's labyrinthine showroom. Orsk is the, um, the name of the store, right? It's a treat for fans of the, the Evil Dead and Zombieland, complete with affordable solutions for better living. Um, so yeah, this book, I really want to buy like the physical copy because um, it is a, a catalog, right? It's in the form of a catalog. So <laughs> I love it. I'm very, very anxious to read it. And then uh, we sold our souls. So... Every morning, Chris Pulaski wakes up in hell. In the 90s, she was a lead guitarist of Dirt Work, a heavy metal band on the brink of breakout success until lead singer Terry Hunt embarked on a solo career and rocketed to stardom, leaving his bandmates to rot in obscurity. Now Chris works as a night manager of a Best Western. She's tired, broke, and unhappy. Then one day everything changes, a shocking act of violence turns her life upside down and she begins to suspect that Terry sabotaged more than just the band. Chris hits the road hoping to reunite their quirk and confront the man who ruined her life. Her journey will take her from the Pennsylvania Rust Belt to a celebrity rehab center to a satanic music festival. A spine-tingling horror novel, We Sold Our Souls is an epic journey into the heart of a conspiracy-crazed, pill-popping, paranoid country that seems to have lost its very soul. I love Grady, um, Grady Hendrix. I think he has like the best ideas for horror books um, nowadays, and I can't wait to read these books. The next book on the list uh, is Torturado by Itamar Vieira Jr. I think... It hasn't been translated to English yet, but I believe it's going to be because it's it's really like a, a, a bestseller now in Brazil. And I know that it's being translated or it has been translated uh, to other languages. This is about two sisters, Bibiana and Belonesia, that live in the northeast of Brazil. So like the countryside of Bahia. Um, they find a knife, an old and mysterious knife, inside a suitcase under their grandmother's bed. Uh, and then something happens, an accident happens, and their lives are changed um, and linked forever. So one has to become the voice of the other. I don't know other details of the story. I know that this book is... It's supposed to be really good. I haven't heard anyone saying bad things about this book. So I'm very curious to read it. And I hope it gets translated to English um, soon. So you can all read it as well. Uh, next one, we have the posthumous memoirs of Bras Cubas, um, which is also a Brazilian book, right? Machado de Assis. Uh, so in this book, and I... I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know why, but I have never read this book. And I love Machado de Assis. So, in this book, the ghost of a decadent and disagreeable aristocrat decides to write his memoir. It's like a corpse, it's the, the, the ghost is writing the book from the grave, you know, and he is dedicating it to the worms um, that are eating his body and it th this book is amazing it should be amazing it should be uh wonderful and i haven't read it yet my whole life i don't know why it's just you know one of those things that it's you have to read it in school you are obligated to read it and then you don't want to read it just because people tell you that you have to you know so that's probably why i haven't read it yet I love Machado de Assis, I love Don Casmurro, I love uh, The Alienist, so yeah, I can't wait to read this one. And I know I always say that, right? I can't read, I can't wait to read this book, but it's true. <laughs> I wanted to have, like, I wish I had time to just read all of these books at once so I could um, get to know the stories, right, that they tell. Um, next one on my list 
is my year of rest and relaxation by Otessa Moshfag. So in this book, we have a girl that is young, thin, pretty, a recent Columbia graduate. She works uh, an easy job at a hip art gallery, lives in an apartment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. The apartment is paid for. She doesn't have to worry about money because she has like a big fat inheritance. But she's depressed, right? Her parents have died. Uh, her boyfriend treats her like shit, apparently. And she has a toxic relationship with her best friend. Um, so it's the year 2000 in a city of glitter with wealth and possibility. And what could be so terribly wrong? So what happens is that she decides to go on a like a hibernation period <laughs> um, that lasts for a year. And she she's going to get the help of a very bad psychiatrist that is going to prescribe her pills and, and drugs that are not going to be good, apparently. So I don't know. I'm very curious about this book. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. Because uh, sometimes I put books on my list that I'm not sure I'm going to like. I'm just like curious about them. So this is one of them. I'm, I'm curious, but I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. I think I will, but I don't know. Next one is Stolen Tongues by Felix Blackwell. A romantic cabin getaway doesn't go exactly as planned. High up on the windswept cliffs of Pale Peak, Faye and Felix celebrate their new engagement. But soon a chorus of nasty noises erupts from the nearby woods. The screams of animals, the cries of children, and the mad babble of a hundred mournful voices. A dark figure looms near the windows in the dead of night, whispering to Faye. As the weather turns deadly, Felix discovers that his terrified fiancée isn't just mumbling in her sleep. She's whispering back. Um, yeah, so this is uh, a contest-winning story on reddit.com's horror community No Sleep. Stolen languages, uh, stolen tongues. <laughs> stolen tongues has received widespread acclaim and is now being adapted into a feature film. That's interesting. So I heard uh, about this book on BookTube. Apparently there is some controversy about native peoples, but I don't know. Uh, I'm curious about the story. It's very um, the horror aspect, right? It's um, intriguing. But I don't know if I'm going to like it. It sounds, honestly, it sounds like one of those, oh, this should be very good and then it's not. You know, like the idea is good, but the execution is not. But this is just me like saying it. You know, I have no idea if I'm going to like it or not. It sounds very good, though. Another classic, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. What if someone discovers your secret dream, that one great wish you would do anything for? And what if that someone suddenly makes you dr your dream come true before you learn the price you have to pay? Something Wicked This Way Comes is a story of two boys who encounter the sinister wonders of Cougar and Dark's Pandemonium Shadow Show. They will soon discover the show's awful mystery, a mystery that will change the life of every person it touches, in the stunning masterwork of dark fantasy by Ray Bradbury. And this is a classic that I have to read, right? I can't believe... Um, there are some books that I can't believe I haven't read yet, honestly, so <laughs> this is one of them. Um, next one, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I spent a lot of time resisting this book, <laughs> but I finally decided to put it on my list. So this book tells the story of the rise and fall, birth and death of the mythical town of Macondo through the history of the Buendia family. Inventive, uh, amusing, magnetic, sad and alive with unforgettable men and women, brimming with truth, compassion and the lyrical magic that strikes the soul. This novel is a masterpiece in the art of fiction. Um, I'm quite sure I'm going to like it. I don't know. It reminds me a little bit. Um, I know it's nothing like it, but it reminds me of The House of Spirits by Isabel Lange that I loved. 
it at like different things, right? But I don't know why it reminds me of that. Um, so I I should probably like this one. Next one, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, another classic. Um, the Bell Jar chronicles the crack up of Easter Greenwood. Brilliant, beautiful, enormously talented and successful, but slowly going under, maybe for the last time. Sylvia Plath masterfully draws the reader into Easter's breakdown with such intensity that Easter's insanity becomes completely real and even rational, as probable and accessible an experience as going to the movies. Such deep penetration into the dark and harrowing corners of the psyche is an extraordinary accomplishment and has made the bell jar a haunting American classic. In another classic, The Catcher in the Rye um, by J.D. Salinger, a native New Yorker named Hoden Caulfield. Through circumstances that tend to preclude adult secondhand description, he leaves his prep school in Pennsylvania and goes underground in New York City for three days. The boy himself is at once too simple and too complex for us to make any final comment about him or his story. Perhaps the safest thing we can say about Holden is that he was born in the world not just strongly attracted to beauty, but almost hopelessly impaled on it. There are many voices in this novel, children's voices, adult voices, underground voices, but Holden's voice is the most eloquent of all. Transcending his own vernacular, yet remaining marvelously faithful to it, he issues a perfectly articulated cry of mixed pain and pleasure. However, like most lovers and clowns and poets of the higher orders, he keeps most of the pain to and for himself, the pleasure he gives away or sets aside with all his heart. It is there for the reader who can handle it to keep. And another one, 1984 by George Arlow. I can't believe I haven't read this book yet. Um, and again, I'm sure everybody knows what this is about. But in 1984, London is a grim city in the totalitarian state of Oceania where Big Brother is always watching you and the thought police can practically read your mind. Winston Smith is a man in grave danger for the simple reason that his memory still functions. Drawn into a forbidden love affair, Winston finds the courage to join a secret revolutionary organization called the Brotherhood, dedicated to the destruction of the party. Together with his beloved Julia, he hazards his life in a deadly match against the powers that be. 1984 has, like, honestly always been on my list, but I've been lazy. Uh, I confess that I've been lazy about it. Um, until now, I'm, I'm going to read it. I have, I have a deadline. I have to read this book now. And then I'm going to read A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. And the only reason I'm doing that is because I want to cry. <laughs> I want to see, I don't want to cry, but I want to see if I cry like people cry when they read this book. Because it's said to be one of the saddest books of all time, right? Um, there are like reading vlogs of people crying their eyes out reading this book. <laughs> And that makes me very curious for it, I'm not gonna lie. A Little Life follows four college classmates, broke adrift and buoyed only by their friendship and ambition, as they move to New York in search of fame and fortune. While their relationships, which are tinged by addiction, success and pride, deepen over the decades, the men are held together by their devotion to the brilliant, enigmatic Jude, a man scarred by an unspeakable childhood trauma. A hymn to brotherly bonds and a masterful depiction of love in the 21st century, Hanya Yanagihara's stunning novel is about the families we are born into and those that we make for ourselves. I will definitely keep you posted. Maybe I'll even record a, a reading vlog for this book, right? To see if I cry or not. <laughs> um, speaking of which, I've been considering reading vlogs for a while, but I don't know. And then I have Sadie on my list, Sadie by Courtney Summers. When popular radio personality West McRae receives a desperate phone call from a stranger, imploring him to find 19-year-old runaway uh, Sadie Hunter, he's not convinced there's a story there. Girls go missing all the time. But when it's revealed that Sadie fled home after the brutal murder of, his little, of her little sister, Maddie, 
Wes travels to the small town of Cold Creek, Colorado to uncover what happened. Sadie has no idea that her journey to avenge her sister will soon become the subject of a blockbuster podcast. Armed with a switchblade, Sadie follows meager clues hoping they'll lead to the man who took Maddie's life because she's determined to make him pay with his own. But as Wes traces her path to the darkest, most dangerous corners of big cities and small towns, a deeply unsettling mystery begins to unfold, one that's bigger than them both. Can he find Sadie before it's too late? Alternating between Sadie's unflinching voice as she hunts the killer and the podcast transcripts um, tracking the clues she's left behind, Sadie is a breathless thriller about the lengths we go to protect the ones we love and the high price we pay when we, when we can't. It will haunt you long after you reach the final page. I've heard many good things about this book, and I've heard that it's difficult to read, like it's strong. So let's see. Another classic, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. So this is the unforgettable novel of a childhood in a sleepy southern town and the crisis of conscience that rocked it. This is a coming-of-age uh, story and chronicles the childhood of Scout and Jem Flinch as their father Atticus defends a black man falsely accused of rape. And Scout and Jem are mocked by classmates um, because of this. Next one, Ghost Story by Peter Straub. So in the sleepy town of Milburn, New York, four old men gather to tell each other stories, some true, some made up, all of them frightening. A simple pastime to divert themselves from their, quiet, from their quiet lives. But one story is coming back to haunt them and their small town. A tale of something they did long ago. A wicked mistake. A horrifying accident. And they are about to learn that no one can bury the past forever. And after that, I have The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum. Um, a teenage girl is held captive and brutally tortured by neighborhood children. This is based on a true story, and I know that it's a very hard read. I know that people complain a lot about it because it's very hard to read. And this is one book that I'm going to read in English. I'm going to look for it in English. I'm going to get a copy in English because um, the Portuguese version, the translation, right, the Portuguese edition is very beautiful there is like a recent edition that is very beautiful the cover is amazing but i don't want to like make the same mistake of buying the book just because the cover is beautiful and then and then like having a hard time with the book because of the translation right because um this particular publisher does that a lot the translations are not very good but the books are beautiful so i don't want that to happen because i really want to you know, have a good experience with this book. So I'm going to try and read it in, uh, I'm going to try to find it in English so I can read it in the original uh, language. Next one on the list is Wilder Girls by Rory Power. Um, it's been 18 months since the Rexter School for Girls was put under quarantine, since the talks hit and pulled Hetty's life out from under her. It started slow. First, the teachers died one by one. Then it began to infect the students, turning their bodies strange and foreign. Now cut off from the rest of the world and left to fend for themselves on their island home, the girls don't dare wander outside the school's fence, where the tox has made the woods wild and dangerous. They wait for the cure they are promised as the tox seeps into everything. But when Byatt goes missing, Hetty will do anything to find her, even if it means breaking quarantine and braving the horrors that lie beyond the fence. And when she does, Hetty learns that there is more to their story, to their life at Rexter, than she could ever have thought true. Um, nice. There's a blurb here saying that it's like a feminist Lord of the Flies. Um... It's comparing it to the Yellow Jackets, um, the show, right, I believe. And yeah, interesting. I've heard, I, I actually, I've heard people saying that it's not good. 
that it's not like as good as it sounds, but it sounds good. <laughs> so let's see if I like it. Uh, next on my list is Kindred by Octavia Butler. Dana, a modern black woman, is celebrating her 26th birthday with her new husband when she's snatched abruptly from her home in California and transported to the antebellum south. Rufus, the white son of a plantation owner, is drowning and Dana has been summoned to save him. Dana is drawn back repeatedly through time to the slave quarters and each time the stay grows longer, more arduous and more dangerous until it is certain whether or not Dana's life will end long before it has a chance to begin. I've heard so many good things about uh, Octavia Butler and her books. I'm very interested in this one. This next one, I think, was the first one that I added to my wish list on Amazon, like hundreds of years ago. <laughs> this is Helter Skelter, The True Story of the Manson Murders by Vincent Bugliosi. In the summer of 1969 in Los Angeles, a series of brutal, seemingly random murders captured headlines across America. A famous actress and her unborn child and adheres to a coffee fortune, a supermarket owner and his wife were among the seven victims. A thin trail of circumstances eventually tied the Tate-LaBianca murders to Charles Manson, uh, a would-be pop singer of small talent living in the desert with his family of devoted young women and men. What was his hold over them? And what was the motivation behind such savagery? In the public imagination over time, the case assumed the proportions of myth. The murders marked the end of the 60s and became an immediate symbol of the dark underside of that area. Vincent Bugliosi was the prosecuting attorney in the Manson trial, and this book is his enthralling account of how he built his case um, from what a defense attorney dismissed as only two fingerprints and Vince Bugliosi. The meticulous detective work with which the story begins, the prosecutor's view of complex murder trial, the reconstruction of the philosophy Manson um, inculcated in his fervent followers, these elements make for a true crime classic. Helter Skelter is not merely a spellbiting murder case and courtroom drama, but also, in the words of the New Republic, a social document of rare importance. Like I said, it's been on my list uh, since it's the first book that I have added to my uh, wish list. So there you go. Now, I have five Stephen King books. Uh, I have no idea how I'm going to read, when I'm going to read these books, but yeah. So this is The King Train, and we start with Desperation. Several cross-country travelers, including a writer, a family on vacation, and a professor and his wife, end up in the little mining town of Desperation, where a crazy policeman and evil forces force them to fight for their lives. So this is Desperation, and then we have uh, Regulators. On a perfect summer afternoon in Wentworth, Ohio, many of the citizens who live in Pop Poplar Street are killed mysteriously and at the center of the mystery is a young boy named Seth Guerin, whose supernatural powers are just awakening. So Desperation and the Regulators are twin novels and I have made a point of not knowing what these novels are about. So that's where I'm going to stop reading. But yeah, uh, The Regulators was written by Stephen King as Richard Bachman and Desperation as uh, Stephen King himself. So these are the twin novels. And then we have um, 1122-63, which is uh, King's version of JFK's assassination, right? Uh, if you haven't seen the show, the TV show um, that was made based on the book, it's amazing. It's incredible and I highly recommend it. Uh, I have seen the show, but I haven't read the book yet. And I have heard many people saying that this is their favorite King book, that it's just wonderful. It's beautiful. So I'm very, I have always been very curious to read this book. And this is my challenge, right? I have to read this book. 
before I turn 36. How am I going to do this? I don't know. But um, we'll try, we'll try. Oh yeah, and so in this book, uh, Jake is a teacher, he's a school teacher, and he finds a time machine and he decides to prevent uh, JFK's assassination. So that's that's the plot, that's what's happening. Then we have the Institute, which is very recent. It came out in 2019, right? In the middle of the night, in a house on a quiet street in suburban Minneapolis, intruders silently murder Luke Alice's parents and load him into a black SUV. The operation takes less than two minutes. Luke will wake up at the Institute in a room that looks just like his own, except there's no window. And outside his door are other doors, behind which are other kids with special talents, telekinesis and telepathy, who got to this place the same way Luke did. Kalisha, Nick, George, Iris, and 10-year-old Avery Dixon. They are all in uh, front half. Others, Luke learns, graduated to back half, like the Roach Motel, Kalisha says. You check in, but you don't check out. <laughs> In the small sinister of institutions, the director, Mrs. Um, Sigsby, and her staff are ruthlessly dedicated to extracting from these children the force of their extra-normal gifts. There are no scruples here. If you go along, you get tokens for the vending machines. If you don't, punishment is brutal. As each new victim disappears to black half, Luke becomes more and more desperate to get out and get help. But no one has ever escaped from the Institute. As physically um, terrifying as Firestarter and with the spectacular kid power of it, the Institute is Stephen King's gut-wrenchingly dramatic story of good versus evil in a world where the good guys don't always win. So I think this is the first King book about kids, right? About a group of kids coming together to fight evil um, that he writes in a very long time, right? And people love it. And I'm sure I'm going to love it as well. This, I just don't know how I'm going to get to it, but because <laughs> I have like 30, 20 something books to read before it, but okay. And 20 something Stephen King books to get to before I, I get to the Institute, but that's okay. I'm, go I'm going to do it. It's, it's okay. And then Billy Summers. Billy Summers came out last year, 2021. So Billy Summers is a man in a room with a gun. He's a killer for hire and the best in the business. But he'll do the job only if the target is a truly bad guy. And now Billy wants out. But first, there is one last hit. Billy is among the best snipers in the world. A decorated Iraq war vet, a Houdini when it comes to vanishing after the job is done. So what could possibly go wrong? How about everything? <laughs> The spectacular Can Put Down novel is part war story, part love letter to small town America and the people who live there, and it features one of the most compelling and surprising duos in King fiction, who set out to avenge the crimes of an extraordinarily evil man. It's about love, luck, fate, and a complex hero with one last shot at redemption. You won't put this story down, and you won't forget Billy. And apparently that's true because, again, people are saying that this book is amazing. Um, I hope it is. I hope it is. And number 35 on my list is another classic. is Catch-22 by Joseph Haller. At the heart of Catch-22 resides the incomparable malingering bombardier Eusarian a hero endlessly inventive in his schemes to save his kin from the horrible chances of war. His efforts are perfectly understandable because, as he furiously scrambles, thousands of people he hasn't even met are trying to kill him. His problem is Colonel Cathcart, who keeps raising the number of missions the men must fly to complete their service. Yet, if Yossarian makes any attempts to excuse himself from the perilous missions that he is committed to flying, he is trapped by the Great Loyalty uh, Oath Crusade, the hilariously sinister bureaucratic rule from which the book takes its title. A man is considered insane if he willingly continues to fly dangerous combat missions, but if he makes the necessary formal requests to be relieved 
um, of such missions, the very act of making the request proves that he is sane and therefore ineligible to be relieved. Catch-22 is a microcosm of the 20th century world as it might look to someone dangerously sane, a masterpiece of our time. And lastly, I have The Phantom of the Opera, number 36 on my list. The Phantom of the Opera is about a Parisian opera house that is haunted by a phantom and the phantom falls in love with uh, Christine. That's it. These are the 36 books that I plan to read before I turn 36. I have a little over two years to do it, which, you know, it's possible, it's doable, but the thing is, I'm not going to read these books alone, right? I have other books to read as well, so I don't know how I'm going to pull that off, but I will try my best and I'll keep you posted. So once again, I have COVID, so that's why my voice is a mess. It's been very hard to record this. It's been very difficult to speak for one and a half hour. Um, it's been difficult to speak, period. But yeah, I didn't um, record anything last week. And I didn't want to miss this week as well. So that's why I'm recording this. I hope you liked it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Esta foi uma produção Lateral Media. Se você gostou do programa, talvez você goste do Uma Batata e Uma Coquinha, um podcast em português onde um jogador experiente e uma novata falam sobre jogos. Você também pode gostar do Inglês para Mulheres, um podcast de cursos em áudio onde cada temporada lidará com uma habilidade diferente da língua inglesa. A primeira temporada é sobre writing e está completa e disponível para você. Confira todos os programas em monicasanoli.com.br barra lateral tracinho mídia, M-E-D-I-A, mídia em inglês. Ou clique no link na descrição deste episódio. Obrigada por ouvir.